God designed us for life, an abundant life with him and with one another. But there's a problem. Someone has taken our life. Jesus said the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. We're missing out on life like God intended because we go looking for life in all the wrong places. But there is a solution to this problem. Jesus said he came so that we may have life and have it in abundance. That's why Cross United Church exists, to help people find life like God intended. We believe life like God intended happens when three things are united in our lives. When we're brought to God in wholehearted worship through the cross of Jesus Christ, when we're brought together in authentic community, when we're deployed on the joyful mission that God has for us in the world, we experience fullness of life. Life like God intended, united in wholehearted worship, authentic community, and joyful mission is why Cross United Church exists. Hey, Cross United, good morning. So glad you're tuning in for this message this Sunday morning. We're going to be in John 10, 7 through 10. We're going to be in a a story of Jesus talking about himself as the gate or the entryway into the people of God and the kingdom of God and the family of God. So if you want to turn to John 10, 7 through 10, I'm going to read it for us. Jesus said to them again, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and he will find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. So in this passage, we're, we're seeing Jesus offer the first of two explanations to the parable he's given in John 10, 1 through 5. He's using this parable that would have been really familiar to everyone who was listening to him. He uses these images of a sheep pen and a gate and a thief and a robber. And everyone who was listening to him would have understood exactly what he was talking about. They would have all been familiar with the idea of a sheep pen or a fold. They would have been familiar with a gatekeeper and a shepherd and the sheep. Many of them were, were you know, their livelihoods were dependent upon animals and sheep and, and an agrarian society. So he's using these images that have, would have been very familiar to them, but are a little bit foreign to many of us. And he's, and he's, he's explaining it further because even though the images were familiar, the point he was making wasn't clear to them. We see in John 10, 6, that he tells them this, this parable or this figure of speech. It says, Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. So even though the images and the the illustration was familiar, they didn't understand what Jesus was getting at. And so in, in some ways that's comforting to us because they're on the same ground that we're on. They didn't understand exactly what Jesus was saying to them. And so Jesus is going to explain it to them in two ways. The first is here in John 10, 7 through 10, where he's going to tell them that he is the gate or the door for the sheep. And the second one is in John 10, 11 and following, which we'll see soon next week or the week after, that he is also the shepherd of the sheep. So we see here this, this illustration that Jesus says he is the gate for the sheep. He is the entry point for the sheep, and, and he's going to explain what that means. And what we're going to see in this passage for us is that this is pointing us toward the truth that Jesus offers the freedom and flourishing of fullness of life. 
Jesus offers the freedom and the flourishing of the f- of fullness of life. Let's look just directly into the text. First thing here in John 10, 7. Jesus says, truly I tell you. Now again, that's something he says all through the book of John. Truly I tell you. That's, that's an indication that not only is everything that Jesus says trustworthy, but this is particularly emphatic that Jesus wants you to understand that you can trust what he's going to say here. He says, I am the gate for the sheep. So it's like he's saying, listen up. I am the gate for the sheep. We've seen all throughout the gospel of John, uh, Jesus using these I am statements to describe who he is and what he has come to do. Seven times he uses the I am statement with a metaphor or a word picture to describe his mission. So he says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. And here the third one is I am the gate or I am the door for the sheep. A number of other times he uses these I am statements in an absolute sense where he just simply says, I am. And there he's claiming identity with the God of the Old Testament, Yahweh, the God of Israel, the creator of the universe, the covenant God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he is claiming to be this God in human flesh. Here we see this this metaphorical use of the I am statement, I am the gate for the sheep. What, what What's a gate or a door? What's the function of a gate or a door? Well, the function is, there's two functions. The first function is a point of legitimate entry. And the second function is a means of protection. A legitimate point of entry and a means of protection. Um, I remember my youth pastor telling me a story of him. He was living in a house with his, his young family. And they woke up one morning and they found next to one of the windows, one of the bedroom windows, was partially open. Uh, and muddy p- footprints from under that window through the house and out the front door. And what they think happened is someone had come home uh, late at night trying to sneak into their house, probably a teenager, a neighbor, and had realized that that in their uh, state of mind in that moment, they were not in the right house. And so they, they realized their mistake and then jetted out through the door. Clearly someone who's trying to get in through a window is not entering legitimately. And this, this is what we see Jesus saying. He says, I am the gate. I am the only legitimate point of entry for the people of God into the purposes and the promises and the presence of God. Someone who doesn't use the door usually has no business or right to be in the house. And so Jesus is saying, I am the way in. I am the way into membership into the family of God. I am the way into citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. I am the way into the presence, the promises, and the purposes of the great creator of the universe. Jesus is saying he is the legitimate and only point of entry for anyone who would come to God. So that's the first thing a gate does is it provides a legitimate means of entry. The second thing a gate does is it offers a means of of protection. It protects us. Every one of us on our house, our condo or apartment, we have a door. And on that door, we also have a lock. We have a deadbolt and we have a key. And that door prevents people from getting in who shouldn't be getting in. And it protects us from those illegitimate intruders. Um, so we see here this, this 
picture of the gate, that Jesus is the only legitimate point of entry into the presence, promises, and purposes of God, and Jesus is a source of protection for his people once they enter in. In contrast, look at verse 8. It says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. Who came before Jesus? Well, history tells us that, and there, there's um, sources we can find, that there were a number of people who claimed to be God's Messiah and who claimed to be the one who God was, whom God was sending to set his people free and to, to provide them life and love and liberty. But Jesus is saying, all of these messianic pretenders that came before me, they were imposters. Remember we talked last time in John 10, 1 through 6, about learning to discern the difference between an imposter and a pastor, between a stranger and a shepherd, and really between the chief shepherd and those who would pretend and impose themselves in his place. So, so here we see that these messianic pretenders, these false messiahs have come before and they've come illegitimately and they've offered a way of life and a means of salvation and hope and life and love to God's sheep, but the sheep didn't listen to them. Here we see that, that, um, when, when, when we look for life and love apart from the only legitimate way of entering into that through Jesus Christ, um, it's never going to go well for us. They're, they're, the, these imposters are called thieves and robbers for a reason. Why? Because they're taking something that isn't theirs. False messiahs always take more than they give. And, and what, what happens is we try to solve our problems with non-Christological, with non-Jesus solutions, and those problems only get worse. When Laura and I owned our first house in Louisville, Kentucky, we bought furniture for the house and they delivered the furniture. Uh, and the delivery guys, they weren't too careful bringing in our large, dark colored dining room table. And they ended up scuffing the brand new white wall in the in the hallway and the entryway of our house and so there's a small black line on the wall and so Laura's said you know we need to call the company and tell them that you know they did this and they 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 caused damage to our house and they need to you know they need to make this right so we call and they say okay we'll send someone out well they sent out the same guy who had made the mark in the first place and we weren't that didn't really give us a lot of confidence because clearly he wasn't careful bringing the furniture in. And so he comes in and he comes in sort of slowly, just kind of sauntering in and he's got this can of spray in his back pocket and he's got this dirty rag and it's supposed to be, um, a, a solution that will clean it up. So he sprays the wall and he takes this dirty rag and he rubs it. And what had started as just a thin black dark line became this large brownish grayish blackish smudge. And the more he rubbed it, the larger it got, the bigger it got. And this, this little line had become this big, dark, nasty spot. And, and, he, and he goes, oh, that's, that's just, that ain't nothing but wet. That's just wet right there. And we said, okay. And we realized this guy is not going to make this any better. And so we just said, okay, thank you for helping. And, and we let him go. And then we ended up fixing the problem because this solution 
only made the problem worse. This is what sin does in our lives. This is what false messiahs do in our lives. They take a problem and we apply this supposed solution and all it does is make the problem bigger, more noticeable, and worse. This is what Jesus is saying. That, that, that thieves and robbers, false messiahs, they'll make things worse at the end of the day. Here's the good thing though. He says here, the sheep didn't listen to them. The sheep didn't listen to them. That God's sheep, God's people will always eventually listen to the call of the shepherd. He will not let you, if you are his, go away from him. Jesus says, all that the father gives to me will come to me. And some of you, you ran away from the Lord for a long time until he finally tracked you down and you couldn't resist any longer. And his grace was irresistible to you in that moment. Some of you, you're still running away from the Lord. But you know what? If you're his, you will eventually hear his voice and turn back to him. So my question is, why not just do it now? Why wait? Turn back to the shepherd now. Are you following a false messiah right now? If so, if so, turn away. It's only going to make things worse. Your attempts to make your problems better are going to make your problems worse. Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus now. Look at verse 9. It says, I am the gate, he reiterates. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out, come in and go out and find pasture. What does this mean? What does this mean? Well, really at the end of the day, what this means is that Jesus is the point of entry for the freedom and flourishing of fullness of life. Pasture is the the place where God provides and gives us all that we need and all he created us to have. Going in and out to find pasture is, is this picture of spiritual freedom. The freedom to go in and the freedom to go out. Um, before um, we had hurricane windows in the house, we uh, it had a... Uh, um, in 2016, we were talking about it just recently because we had the uh, the storm Hurricane Isaias come through and thankfully uh, didn't do a lot of damage here or in the islands. And uh, But we were thinking about 2016 when Hurricane Matthew was bearing down on us in September of 2016. I don't know if you remember that. That was the last time we had to put up the big metal storm shutters. And, and maybe some of you have been there, probably you have, where you've been in this house shuttered up in a dark house without power and you just feel like you're going to go crazy. And and what Jesus is saying is that living life without him, it's like being shuttered up in this dark house without power and you're 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 longing for any little glimpse of hope you can find. And so you you find a little here on the internet or you find a little bit here in some book you're reading or some show you're watching or some 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 other voice that you're listening to. But Jesus says, if anyone enters by me, he will go in, he will go out and find pasture. You will have light and life and love in Christ. Freedom is having the keys to the house. Going in, going out. And Christ is the only way. He's the only entry point. He's the only legitimate entry point. He says in John 14, 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. 
In Acts 4.12, he says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Jesus is the exclusive way to get into the family, the presence, the purposes, and the presence of God. It's the only way. Jesus is the only way to be saved from your sin. Jesus is the only one who can solve your problems ultimately. Now, some sometimes people say, and maybe you're thinking, I've thought this, well, isn't that sort of exclusive? Isn't that sort of narrow for God to say the only way to me is through my son, Jesus? Well, it is. I mean, let's just not sugarcoat it. It is exclusive, but it's also tremendously generous. Think about it this way. If Walt Disney World announced that they were giving away 1,000 lifetime passes to all of their parks for the rest of your life, free entry anytime, and they said the only catch is you have to be here on a specific date at a specific time in a specific place, you wouldn't complain. Now, now maybe you're not into going to Disney and, and you maybe this doesn't resonate with you, but I know for us and our family, we wouldn't complain that there was only one place and time and way to get that pass. We would head straight to Orlando to the office to stand in line to get it. God is offering to you. It's not limited to a thousand people. It is, he's offering to anyone who will turn from their sin and trust in Christ, freedom and flourishing and fullness of life by repenting of your sin and trusting in Jesus Christ in his perfect life, his sacrificial death, his burial, his resurrection. And if you turn from your sin and you trust in him, he will forgive you of your sin and give you eternal life. It is the only way, but what a generous offer God has made to us. In contrast to the good shepherd, to the gate, Jesus says in verse 10, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's the warning. But I have come, he says, so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Like I said, false messiahs take. The true messiah gives. False gods take. The true God gives. The, the true God is so abundantly rich in life and love in himself. He doesn't need anything from us. He doesn't need us. And whatever we give to him is simply the joyful response of what he has given us in abundant measure already and in the first place. It's like, notice, notice the progression of the warning here. The, the uh, false gods take a little bit at first. They steal. They take a little bit. But then it says they kill. And then they destroy. They always take more and more and more. And what seemed like such a good deal at first ends up costing us everything. It's like the $7.99 Netflix offer or the $3.99 monthly Disney Plus offer. It sounds like a great deal at first, but if you're not careful, you end up binge watching Avengers movies or Breaking Bad. And before you know it, you're, you're ignoring your family, you're missing out on work, you're in th under threat of getting fired, you're overweight because you're eating while you're watching TV, you're, you're struggling because this, what seemed like an offer that was a good deal ends up taking a lot more than it gives. How do you know if you're in the throes of being caught by the thief and the robber? 
Well, Andy Crouch tells us that the first thing any idol takes from its worshipers is relationship. Your relationships will suffer. And, and we see this maybe most obviously in people who have been like addicted to substances, alcohol or drugs. Tragically, it, it, it is very obvious in the ways their relationships suffer but, and, and, or gambling addiction. And it, it causes strain and financial ruin. But you know what? Social media addiction, pornography addiction, ministry addiction. These things cause our relationships to suffer our relationships with other people, and ultimately our relationship with God. Anything other than Jesus will ultimately take from you, kill you, and destroy you. That's the warning. That's the bad news. But the good news is at the end of verse 10. Look what it says. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. This is not merely a quantity of life like you never die although that's part of it it is a quality of life d.a carson the great theologian and, and biblical scholar says it's life at its scarcely imagined best life to be lived in both quantity and even more importantly in quality jesus offers abundant life the world your own sinful heart and satan want to take your life, but Jesus wants you to have life and have it abundantly, eternally, fully in him, in Christ. Anyone who hears his voice and follows him will receive full, abundant life and the freedom and the flourishing of fullness of life. This is one of our theme verses as a church, John 10, 10. Because so many people think they have life and they're missing out on life like God intended. And we believe, as, as with the video you see before every message and we talk about a lot, we believe life like God intended happens when you're brought to God in wholehearted worship through the cross of Jesus Christ, when you're brought together in authentic community into the family of faith, and when you're sent out on the joyful mission that God has for you in the world. You'll go in in freedom into the presence of God and you'll be sent out in joy on the mission of God. When Laura and I met, we got engaged uh, about six months after we met and had started dating. Things moved pretty quickly. We fell in love and we were planning to get married and we were also uh, buying a house where we were living. I mentioned the, this incident with the table earlier. Well, we had just gotten engaged and we ended up finding this new development in the eastern uh, part edge of the city of Louisville. And, and we found this new development and we found a house we really loved and we found a lot and we ended up building a brand new house. Well, we didn't build it, but we, we paid and, and bought a house in this new development. And every Sunday after church, we'd go over there and we'd look at the progress and, and we'd look at, you know, they'd, they'd cleared the lot, they'd laid the foundation, they'd poured the, the slab, they had put the walls up. And then one day, all the windows were installed and the door was installed and we couldn't go in because we didn't own the house yet. So we went to the office and they were nice and they gave us a key so we could get in and see the house. But then one day, about three weeks before we got married, we sat in an office, we signed every paper imaginable. It's like that Brian Regan sketch where you're just like signing all these things. You're like, you know, you don't know if you're going to, you know, own anything at the end of it. And you're just trusting they're telling you the truth. You're signing all these, these papers. And at the end of it, they handed us the key. 
They handed us that key. And we went to our house and we opened it. And we went in and we went out. In freedom, under protection, and enjoyed being a new family. How much more so is what Jesus offering to you in this passage? God designed us for life, an abundant life with him and with one another. But there's a problem. Someone has taken our life. Jesus said the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. We're missing out on life like God intended because we go looking for life in all the wrong places. But there is a solution to this problem. Jesus said he came so that we may have life and have it in abundance. That's why Cross United Church exists, to help people find life like God intended. We believe life like God intended happens when three things are united in our lives. When we're brought to God in wholehearted worship through the cross of Jesus Christ, when we're brought together in authentic community, when we're deployed on the joyful mission that God has for us in the world, we experience fullness of life. Life like God intended, united in wholehearted worship, authentic community, and joyful mission is why Cross United Church exists.